Hey everybody, this week we are going to talk about schools, so let's get our study on. Buenas tardes, everyone. I am back. It's been a little break for vacation and holiday and August and getting back into the groove. Um, and now school is getting back started. Uh, and we are, you know, going to try and get back in the groove of things. I think here, everything, August is a slow month. Everybody kind of shuts things down. And then September, uh, although it's not technically a vacation anymore it's like getting things you know warmed up and started again it takes everyone forever myself included between work and trying to just you know get things moving back to where they were before it takes me a moment so excuse my absence um and uh let's try and get on to some things we haven't talked about yet um speaking of school getting back to school uh we are going to talk today about schools so um, this uh, is something that may interest none of you, but it may interest a lot of you. So let's, uh, let's kind of start with just uh, elementary school, you know, middle school, high school type things if you want to compare it to what we do in the U.S. I know it's different in the U.K. and in Asia and everyone has their own way of doing it. Uh, but since I did my studying in the U.S., um, I kind of, kind of base my understanding of it similar to that. Um, let's start with the idea that here in Spain, school technically starts when you're supposed to, you're obligated to go, I guess you could say from six years old. There really is not a legal or proper way of doing homeschooling here. Uh, there are people that do do it. Not very many of them. It's very kind of unheard of really most people do not do it um and they used to have to find the material and you know resources online from the u.s and other countries but it's not very commonplace here so apart from the age of six most children go to uh, a traditional schooling uh sort of center here in spain prior to that there is preschools from the age of three there are public ones uh, that are also, you know, essentially free. Uh, and there are private ones that you can decide based on if you're interested in some sort of, you know, particular like a Montessori style learning center or different things like that. You can choose and, you know, see if there's place for your child and put the child in there. But let's start from the age of six. Uh, and we'll talk about the the three types of school systems they have here essentially, uh, which are public schools, what they call concertadas, and then private schools. A lot of these are different in terms of what they do and their requisites to get in and their costs and things based on the region of Spain. So in the uh, uh, province of you know Catalonia, Asturias, uh, or Andalusia, they could all be completely different. So most of these 
are a little bit of a general understanding and some of them are based on what I know how it works here in Barcelona which is where I'm at um, so let's let's start with the public schools um, you know so public schools are generally free for for anyone and even expats as long as you are empadronado in the city that you're living in and you have your address registered and all that your child or children can attend public schools um they all they are generally free there are a few costs you know lunch the extracurricular activities um books sometimes transport um different things that you may have to pay um and those things aren't super expensive but they you know can be around a thousand twelve hundred uh a year probably and what you'll have to pay um i mean we're also talking you know most of them don't have to have uniforms occasionally they do but in general the public schools is not necessary um everything in the public school is decided by the government they have you know rules and and you know kind of uh, management uh parameters for doing almost everything so there's not a lot of freedom in particular um in the school for the the principals and the professors and things like that it's usually generally decided by the federal as well as the regional or provincial uh government i think um you know in terms of the number of professors in a class uh the number of students that kind of thing is decided by them so you may have higher numbers i know a lot of people look at things like that say oh in my students or my child's class there's you know 26 students and i would really prefer something like 16 or 15 students so those are all kind of things that people take into consideration but in public schools um those things are not decided by the administrators they're decided outside so their hands are kind of tied on how that works um you can guarantee a space in public school for your child uh maybe not the exact school that you want uh what i mean by that is the schools when you go to apply for a school to put your child in a school you usually do a list of like the first second third that you're interested in they have a certain number of places they will take into consideration according to a point system uh based on things like your location where you live how close you are to the school as well as if in some regions your work how close that is to the school if you have um, another child in the, in the same uh, school like they would both siblings would be in a school then you uh, get more points for that so all those up your chance of getting the school that you've selected but if not there is your second and third choice and at the end of the day if you don't get those choices, they will still find a school for you. You may have to travel a little bit to get to it, maybe inconvenient, but you will still always have um, a place afforded for your child. So um, the school day is usually from like nine till four for a public school. Um, that's why you have to pay a little bit extra for extracurricular activities that, you know, they're usually after school. They'll keep them there while some parents are working with extracurricular activities. Another thing from the public school is similar to in the U.S. how they have elementary school and middle school and high school. The colegio and the instituto, which are the older students, are 
in different schools. So your child will have to change schools when he gets to a certain age. Um, some people don't have a problem with it. Some people see that as a negative. Um, so another thing I think uh, is important to take into consideration is depending on where you're from, the uh, vehicular language of the education is can be different. For example, if you're in uh, País Vasco or in Galicia or in Valencia or here in Catalonia and Barcelona, the vehicular language in the public schools is Catalan. Um, this is an issue for some people. Some people it's not. Um, so what does that mean? That means the children are taught completely in Catalan all day, every day. They have about one hour a week of Spanish and one hour a week as in English taught as basically as foreign languages for them to study. Um, but their general uh, vehicular language, what they're studying in all day is Catalan. So if your child is coming from not speaking Catalan at home, it can be a challenge. Or if they're new, they're coming from abroad, it can be a challenge. But kids are very uh, strong and usually adapt very quickly. So they get over these things. But a lot of people have issues with being taught uh, in, you know, essentially 100% Catalan, as opposed to maybe 50% Catalan, 50% Spanish. Um, and that's an issue here in Catalonia. When it comes, I know it's also an issue in the Balearic Islands, where it's the same, Avisa, Mallorca. Um, so in other regions, I'm not 100% sure, but it's something you should definitely look into and take into consideration. Uh, because if you have an issue with it or your child has a challenge, um, you're going to either need to get extra help um, or come up with some sort of solution. But that's that's just the situation in Catalonia. Is it the situation everywhere? Not necessarily. But it's just something to keep um, in consideration. So, okay. Well, now let's talk about the concertadas. Um these are schools that are partially government funded. So the government has some say in some of the way that they do things, but not all of them. The rest of it is funded by uh, the, the families of the students. So usually when you pay, you pay what they call a matricula, which is like a sign-up fee, and then you'll have a, a monthly payment. Um, in the case of uh, concertadas, uh, as I said before, these these numbers can definitely depend on in what province and city and all those things are. It generally in Barcelona varies from about 300 to 500 a month um, for the the school uh, tuition cost. And then on top of that, there is about 20 to 2300 in other annual costs, which are like you know, like I said before, the school lunches the the books any kind of activities outside of school uh sometimes transport um and in this case in the concertadas uniforms as well because they wear uniforms in the concertadas um so that's something to be aware of um they're usually religious uh most most often than not they are catholic um but some people you know want to have religion involved with their child's education some people don't necessarily find it imperative, but the school uh, could offer other things that they find positive, and they're just willing to accept that they have uh, a class on religion as, as kind of part of the 
as part of the deal. So it's not a deal breaker, but they just accept it as part of it. So, um, like I said, the government controls some of the conditions in which they operate in terms of class student numbers and, you know, what they have to do with their curriculum, what so on, you know, so on and so forth. Um, but it, there is also a fair amount of, you know, autonomy on the behalf of the, uh, the school's part. There is usually the concertada usually has the colegio and the instituto together in one school. So your child would attend the same school all through his up until, you know, he would finish and leave for university. Um, and they also usually finish uh, about an hour later in the, in the afternoon. So that allows for more extra curricular activities and things like that that are already kind of lumped into the whole cost. So in general, this is something that a lot of the parents think that they're able to procure a more dynamic education maybe for their child without having to fully commit to the cost of a private school, which is, you know, significantly more elevated in cost on a yearly basis. Um, so the concertados are quite, you know, quite popular here. Let's talk about the privados, the private schools. Um, private schools are essentially these schools are completely private. Um, they are, you know, kind of managed and run as they decide uh, without government uh, parameters um, and guidance. So each one can be completely different. Uh, some of them uh, are religious. Some of them are not. Uh, some are really highly accredited for um, technology, science, and things like that. Others are more focused on liberal arts, and they have more sporting programs. There, for example, in Barcelona, there is a lot of them. There's French school, German school, British school, Japanese school, American school. There's so many types of private schools here. Um, so you really have everything you could possibly want to choose from if you're willing to pay for it. Um, I think you know, looking at comparing it to the other schools, um, you know, getting your child in, you obviously go through an interview process, it depends on the number of places they decide, everything is um, essentially decided by the school. So you don't really have, you know, don't, you don't have to worry about necessarily your location or where you live, but it's probably going to matter to the school, what kind of job you have, where you're affiliated, um, as long as, and, and, and pretty much as much money as you have, that's another big factor. Um, so keeping that in mind, um, if it's something that interests you for your children, there's definitely plenty of options in Barcelona and any other region in Spain. Um, there's definitely always this option. Um, but like I said, each one are diff each one is different. The Similar to the concertada, there is a sort of a matricula, which is a sign-up fee, um, and then usually um, between 1,000 to 3,000 euros of a monthly tuition. Um, and then the annual costs, which again are like transport, uh, lunch, books, uniforms, all those things, is probably about 5,500 um, a year. So you see this could easily, you know, be like 15,000 a year at the low end up to, you know, 30,000 easily on the high end. So if it's something that you're interested in, you can afford, uh, it's definitely a good possibility here 
in Spain for your kids. Um, another thing that I think is uh, a factor that plays into that is if you decide to be or decide to educate your child in English or French or German um, or Japanese or, or a language like this, this is completely possible in one of these schools. And a lot of them also do uh, sort of dual curriculum. So when they graduate, um, they're graduating with a, sort of a diploma from high school, let's say, that would um, be the, the same as getting a diploma in the U.S. or getting your GSEs in the U.K. Um, and it makes it easier in that respect for them to go to a lot of international universities. So keeping that in mind, keeping the cost in mind, it's a really good factor um, that, that could pertain to the, your child's future success if it's something you can pay for. But like I said, it's, it's a little bit on the expensive side, uh, but depending on where you're at, in uh, Spain, those numbers could also really, really fluctuate. So that's essentially um, schooling in, uh, you know, up to the age of 18 in Spain. Um, now let's talk about after high school or instituto, as they call it, um, like college, university education. Uh Spain is one of the most affordable places to get a university education. I think you will find in general, Spain is probably one of the countries where there is the highest level of unemployment among very highly educated people in terms of, uh, you know, traditional education. There's people that are having a hard time finding a job and they have three master's degree uh, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy. But in general, if they have time, a lot of times people just keep going to school here. Um, generally, um, a bachelor's degree, the tuition is about 700 to 2500 a year in tuition in the public schools, um, which is incredibly cheap. Um, a master's degree between 1000 and 3500 uh, in public schools, which is also incredibly cheap. If you compare this, uh, I think you compare it to a lot of countries like the UK, which also has a public university system, um, which is fair and equitable. But when you compare it to the US, these numbers look super cheap. Education in the US, for example, is out of control. Most people that choose or have the luxury to choose uh, to study uh, in university are just saddled with enormous amounts of debt by the time they finish. Um, and that is not what they're interested in doing uh, with higher education here in Spain. So they maintain in the public universities a, fair, a very accessible cost. So that way, many people can go, many people can study, they can study what they like. Um, and they think in the long run that pays off with a you know higher level of education for society. Uh, and, you know, it it's, goes full circle. So I do have to agree with that. Um, there are also private universities and private institutions here. Um, they are more than the public, but I would say they go maybe go as high as 20000 a year in tuition, um, which is on par with an inexpensive uh, 
university in the U.S. I mean, once you start getting into expensive universities in the U.S., we're talking about easily 60, 80, you know, or, or more thousand per year in tuition. So here we're talking about at a private university or private, you know, school, the tuition on a high end would be about 20,000. Um, so, yeah, that's what makes Spain a very appealing place for people to come and do part of the university degree here or do a master's degree here as well. Um, it is a very, I guess you could call it easy way to get a visa to live in Spain. Um, and you can also, on usually a student visa, work a certain amount of hours, um, I think up to maybe 20 hours. It depends on, you know, your school and, and what they allow um, and where what actual job you're doing. <clears throat> but it is definitely probably for a younger person or a person considering moving to Spain and is interested in studying, it's a very good entry point into Spain in terms of visa, work permit, all these things could eventually be turned into uh, a temporary residency, which eventually can be turned into long-term and permanent residency and uh, citizenship. I mean, of course, it's a whole, you know, 20-year process we're talking about. But if it's something you're thinking about and you're 18, 20 years old, 22 years old, I mean, you never know. Um, it's definitely a good option if you're looking to study abroad and you're interested in Spain. It's very affordable, very good quality level of education here. There's a really good, a lot of good universities um, and you will not break the bank going. So that's generally um, sums up the whole thing about schools here. Um, I think, yeah, if you guys have any questions or anything else you want me to delve deeper into, write us a message um, on on the profile or send us an email at onewaytospain at gmail.com and we'll talk about it on one of the upcoming pods. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you for being patient. I hope everybody had a nice summer and we'll talk next time on One Way Ticket to Spain. Hasta luego. Just a disclaimer, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. It could be full of completely true factual information or bullshit with a little bit of opinion thrown in. So take everything with a grain of salt, do your own research, and speak to the proper licensed people when needed. Mm -hmm.